Welcome to the Vegas Gang Podcast for September 19th, 2012. The Vegas Gang is a roundtable discussion show for issues related to casinos in Las Vegas, Macau, and the rest of the world. I am trying to speak more slowly. Uh, <laughs> let me go around the virtual table and introduce the guys. We have Chuck Monster, who is the editor-in-chief at VegasTripping.com. What's happening, Chuck? Not all that much. I'm very happy to be here on a beautiful fill-in-the-blank day. Excellent. Excellent. Um, Dr. Dave Schwartz, the director of UNLV's Center for Gaming Research. What's happening, Dave? Not very much. Sounds like he's chewing. <laughs> I try to say that as slowly as I possibly could. <laughs> uh, my name's Hunter Hillegas, and I'm at uh, ratevegas.com. Um, we usually do announcements at the top of the show. We, our announcement is something uh, that's really very important to us that's coming up here in October. This is going to be our last show, actually, before this event. Um, our next show will be live at the Vegas Internet Mafia Family Picnic, which is going to be October 13th at Bally's in the Indigo Lounge, the home of that dude from American Idol, um, Taylor Hicks, I think is his name. Taylor Swift. Taylor, T- Taylor Swift, yes. Um, <laughs> Axel Swift? No. <laughs> so something- Axel Foley? Yeah, Axel Foley. He's, that's the guy. Right. Um, so, you know, so this event is going to be fantastic. <laughs> I can just tell you. So since we're now, you know, getting real close up into it, the, the planning is starting to get hot and heavy. Um, there's a lot of batted eyes and, and friendly missives being traded back and forth between all of us involved in the planning of the event. And we just can't wait to share it with you guys. It's going to be fun. Um, We've been uh, work, working hard together with our good friends at the Caesars Entertainment Corporation to um, to put the event together, and we appreciate their help. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be you're going to get to see us, us in this show. And I don't think uh, we've talked about our guest yet on the show, have we? I can't remember. But if we haven't, or even if we have, our guest is going to be Derek Stevens, King of the D. <laughs> so the D, the hotel on Fremont Street that is um, replacing Fitzgerald's is actually going to be um, going through their official reopening that very weekend. And, you know, we said, Derek would really love to have you on the show. And he said, yeah, no problem. I'm not busy that weekend. Um, so in all seriousness, you know, he, it's got to be one of the busiest uh, weeks of the year for him. And he is going to take a time to come and sit with us, which we really, really appreciate. Um, and I think it's going to be pretty interesting because he's uh, – He's not afraid to speak his mind, and I think there are some interesting questions that we can ask about what's happening downtown and what's happening on the Strip as well and and all that sort of good stuff. I think he'll have some really good insight into how things are going, and um, hopefully, you know, it should be a lot of fun. Definitely looking forward to that. Uh, we're also going to be having our good friends at 500 by Midnight, um, everyone's favorite Las Vegas, the original Las Vegas podcast, or what's their tagline? Um, something like that. Yeah. They're original. They're friendly. They've, they've got funny accents. Um, <laughs> you know you know them, you love them. They're going to be doing their show, uh, or some variation thereof as well, which should be a lot of fun. They always, they always make people laugh. They're, In the uh, nude. Yes, it, oh, definitely. That was, that was on the writer. Yeah. Um, 
so that's going to be part of the show. We're going to be doing our trivia game, Stump Dr. Dave, again, where our very own Dr. Dave right here from the Vegas Gang podcast uh, will uh, we'll take your questions. And um, – and return them back at you. Yes, exactly. Yes. So it's it was a fun segment last time, and yeah. uh, you know for for uh, for having to stand up there and um, get random questions fired at you by that you've never heard before. I think Dave, you did quite well. Thank um, you. As we probably, you know, I don't think anyone would be that would be surprised to hear that, but <laughs> it's still it's not an easy thing to do. And um, so we'll be doing that again. And uh, then to finish the evening off, the VT match game. So, um, Chuck, you know, we for those of the folks that weren't there last year, can you briefly explain what that is? Basically, it's a uh, takeoff of the original match game TV show. We will poach two people from the audience who will compete against each other, hopefully for prizes, if... Uh, the Caesars Entertainment Corp or somebody else wishes to pony up for some prizes, uh, they will compete against each other by matching the VT stars on the panel. So it's it was last year. It was uh, quite quite uh, 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 offensive and fun, and hopefully this year will be a little bit more offensive and a little bit more fun. Exactly. Good goals. Now it was it was a lot. It was a laugh riot last year, and. Um, so we're looking forward to doing that again. Chuck, I was gonna, I'm was gonna. i asking you a question. Here we go. So, Chuck, as our resident game show historian, I have a question for you. Uh, did, uh, did Chuck Woolery ever host a match game? No, he okay. did not. As far as, I do, as far as I know, Chuck Woolery did not host match game. It was uh, Gene Rayburn, I think, was the uh, original host. And, and there might have been somebody else after that during a couple of revivals. But I think primarily it was just Gene Rayburn was the okay. host. The reason I ask, Chuck Willery um, has decided he loves Twitter. And he has been tweeting a lot this week uh, about developments in the American presidential election, um, which is just kind of made me laugh to see him reappear out of nowhere. Um, so yeah. His Twitter picture is like his headshot from 10,000 years ago. Um, so it's just strange. It's like the disembodied game show voice that is booming out over the interwebs. Two and two. All right. <clears throat> Vimp. Okay. So to wrap, to tie this whole thing up in a bow, Vegas Internet Mafia Family Picnic, October 13th. It's at Bally's. It is free. It is, there is no cost to you or your peoples. Um, come with an empty stomach for booze. We want you to drink as much as you would like, um, but you will... Uh, you have to pay for that. But like as much as you yes. drink. Come, come uh, have a good time. Have a few drinks at the bar. Um, I believe we're going to start at 3 o'clock. But here's the thing about that. Um, Derek's on a very tight schedule. So if you're not there when we start, you may miss him, all of him or part of him. So um, it would be great you know, just for, so that everybody can show support to him to be there on time and even get there a little bit early. There's no reason why you can't show up a little bit early and have a, have a drink and kind of chill out and relax. So, um, when we say three o'clock, that's not a, that's not a, there's 20 minutes of previews before the movie. Like we're starting, uh, we're starting when we're starting. Um, there is a Facebook event for this event and there's no, you don't, no requirement to sign up for it, but it does make it a little bit easier for us to get an idea of how many people are coming. So if you happen to be on Facebook, um, you can sign up for that event 
by searching for it in Facebook under Vegas Internet Mafia Family Picnic and just say, hey, I'm coming. Um, and if you don't get around to doing that, that's fine too. But it always helps us to have some idea of how many people are going to be there. Okay, anything I missed? Vimping, vimpwise? There will be, in addition to the show, there's going to be a couple mm. other nonsensical mm-hmm. things happening. Uh, Friday afternoon, uh, Misnomers having the Casino Royale challenge where he's going to sign up for an account and win a jackpot and then whatever money he has, he's betting on whether or not he can eat 16 Cinnabons and $14 Michelobes or whatever exactly it is, some peculiar math as opposed to about it. Friday night after that, we're going to have drinks uh, somewhere at a location to be named later and there will also be another event located uh, out front of a hotel to be named later, and uh, there's going to also be a bunch of other uh, things that we're still organizing tours, back of house sort of deals that will happen throughout the weekend. So it's going to be more than just you know coming to the to the show. We're actually going to have a bunch of other activities planned as yes. well. So make a weekend excellent weekend. excellent reminder. Um, so that stuff is still being organized. Uh, my I think I would say my recommendation would be. Um, the best place to kind of keep an eye on this stuff would probably be Vegas Tripping, where all the stuff will be posted. There's already a post about the Casino Royale thing, and um, any further developments will be posted. We'll make sure that we do a roundup post, um, you know, going into that weekend, so there's one place you can go to see all of that stuff. And um, yep. on Twitter, you can follow Vegas Tripping, or you can follow me, I'm at Hunter, uh, to get any of that info. Um, as we go into the weekend, but yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a whole bunch of different stuff that, you know, you can ch- choose to go to, which should be a lot of fun and, uh, we're looking forward to it. So hope you guys yep. are too. All right. Great. So next up the quad discuss, <laughs> um, <laughs> so <sighs> Imperial palace, <laughs> Uh, Imperial Palace. That's fine. Is that what you, I think that's what I imagine Dave does in his classes. He just goes in and says, "Gambling regulations, discuss." And then yeah, he does. And then <laughs> he did that on C-SPAN. He got a whole hour's worth of show out of it. <laughs> um, seriously, though, the Quad is uh, has been announced as the new name for Imperial Palace, um, the Caesar's property located on the Strip. Um, it sounds like uh, the name change. And its related uh, refurbishments are going to be phased in more or less over the next year and change. They're going to cut the name over in December. And then, of course, the link construction and um, the rest of the changes that IP or the quad will continue through 2013. Uh, We talked about the quad name previously on the show, along with a bunch of others, suggestions and possibilities. Um, we now have uh, a final name. We have a rendering of said said quad. Um, you know, now that I'm thinking about it a little bit more, I wonder I, when I think of the quad, I think of like school, right? But I think yes. and like all the way back to like elementary school, like like playing like handball or getting beat up or something. Like it, there needs to be some kind of quad area where you can, you know, throw throw food at people and um, and uh, and hang out, but I, as far as I know, there is no quad at the quad, which is a very misleading. 
Um, so, Chuck, you, you saw this yes. rendering. You, uh, you've been following this story. You had tagged the quad as the official name quite a while ago. Um, what do you think of this rendering of the new quad? You know, uh, it, it, it doesn't look really a, a hell of a lot different than the, uh, the uh, link renderings before. I, I was surprised to see the, a confirmation on what version of O'Shea's, the thing that's replacing O'Shea's, is. Uh, that rooftop thing with that uh, faux ceiling on it. You know, that, that I always struck me as interesting. But there was another version of that front part of Imperial Palace that looked sort of like a like a Mac G5 tower with the, the steel plates and stuff and the really cool light board on the front. And it looks like they obviously cheaped out and, and they're going to go pretty basic on the uh, the uh, the redesign and renovations of the Imperial Palace building. Uh you know, there's no strip frontage. It looks like it's all sealed shut. The point of the quad is to get people to basically do what they do in a quad at, at, at a college is basic is you use it as a pathway to get to various other parts. And that is the Flamingo, the Link, the Carnival Court. These are the things that it's the centerpiece of traffic for that, for the Harris America project thing, whatever it's called. Um, I, you know, I think I'm pretty down on what they decided to do with, with the hotel tower. They're not even taking out the blue tiles. You know, it, it looks like they're just going to take off like the, 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 the smallest bits to de-pagoda eyes, the hotel towers. They might throw some paint on it, you know, but it's, it's still, it just looks it looks like a half-assed renovation. We knew it was only going to be a little bit of a renovation, but I don't know. I, I guess I was hoping for something a little bit more. You know, why not give it a, a little bit more? If it's going to be the heart of this new project, you might want to, to give it a little bit extra love. And I feel this even stronger after going to the Flamingo and having a stay there that was kind of a, a little bit of a disaster. So, you know, I, I wish I wish they'd spend some money and spend a little bit more time kind of amping up the hotel and and making it feel a little more exciting on, on the outside. You know, the inside, we'll see what happens. You know, the renderings are – I think we discussed those way back. It looks sort of modern, but who knows what it's going to look like when it's actually done. Uh- it sounds like you're saying, you know, that to some degree the quad is a bit of a dormitory for the rest of these. For it, that, it's not. It's less of a destination. It's more like um, yeah. a bunch of hotel rooms where there's a casino downstairs for your convenience, but you don't. No one plans a trip to the quad. You're you're possibly very correct. Um, you know, the Imperial Palace is not a destination where you say, I can't wait to go to the Imperial Palace. The Imperial Palace is a place that provides a great location on the Strip, bang for the buck. You pay nothing, you get a semi-clean room that's surrounded by a bunch of other busted shit, but who cares, it's only 30 bucks a night, you know? So it does what it does. But if this is really going to be the heart of, you know, the the building in the middle and, and spreading itself outward of this new... Hera's mega complex, you know, they're they're leaving this thing way short compared to what they did at the Tropicana for 150 million bucks. You know, this is 
this is kind of a letdown. I don't know what they're spending their money I mean, on. New yeah, sign. I I could say for me the outside, the exterior is just doesn't doesn't seem like very much time was taken to come up with a new concept. It does seem like they went with pretty much the cheapest solution to integrate the old buildings with what they're building. Um, I posted a, a screen cap from their video on Twitter, and um, Dave, actually, I think, used, <laughs> called it out as uh, asking if I had quickly Photoshopped this thing together because it kind of <laughs> looks like that, right? It looks like um, it, it, it looks like the Imperial Palace with the name Quad put pasted on the side. Um, yeah. So, you know, the in, the interior renderings that they posted, you know, it's hard to tell from these interior renderings what a place is really going to be like because it comes down to the fit and the finish and um, yeah. a lot of those details, which you can never tell from these kinds of renders. They look kind of fine, you know, generically kind of new casino-y. Um, but, you know, that that is potentially an upgrade for the Imperial Palace, which is one of the, um, you know, less – flashy places on the strip right so it's the interiors may get a nice upgrade the public spaces at least uh as part of this process even if the outside of the building um doesn't get much more than a coat of paint uh so dave being the college man you are how do you feel about the quad (laughs) well i think that they've now created such a unique and popular and far-reaching brand name that they're going to completely overshadow everything else in their portfolio. So I think they've, they've totally devalued the Caesars Palace name <laughs> because nobody's going to remember it after they go to the quad. People will say, Caesars, what's that? The quad. It almost seems like you're being really sarcastic. The, <laughs> yeah, sarcasm. A, a lot of sarcasm there. Sarcasm 456 <laughs> with Dr. Dave. <laughs> I will stop the sarcasm now. I think it's pretty obvious what what was a play here. You know, obviously they had the money to redo the public areas. They didn't have money to redo the towers. So they weren't going to make this a horseshoe right. or anything else like that. I think strategically it might be a bit of a mistake. It might have been a better idea for them just to rename it O'Shea's and have it be a sort of shabby chic thing for a while and then maybe in five years phase two of link as they get enough money to really redo this thing and then it becomes the horseshoe las vegas that that would kind of be an option i would at least have explored it is interesting right because instead of them choosing one of the stable of brands that they own right horseshoe is the biggest one that's missing from las vegas in their portfolio but they have other sub brands as well which they're not using here they're creating a new one yeah you know, they could have made this a Harvey's or a Roadhouse or something like that. But I think it's really a case of where they're getting ha- two halves of something instead of a whole unified concept, you know. So part of it's going to look new. The casino is going to look really new. But the rooms aren't going to be new. So there's going to be a disconnect there. You know, the facade, I really don't know what what is going on with that because this facade doesn't really look like anything that says Las Vegas to me. It's just very obviously very bland. And, you know, I guess they're going to throw some wraps up in there, but even that isn't going to make it look Vegas-y. It doesn't really look like fun. Right. It looks, you know, the, the, build, the towers just look like a standard hotel tower. And that facade on the strip doesn't really look like it's in the strip. And yes, if there's no pedestrian access, they're really, you know, I don't see the point of that. I don't see why you wouldn't want to have 
those slot machines open to people coming in unless the goal is to basically shut down that part of Las Vegas Boulevard and funnel everybody through the through the property. Right. I mean, you would yes. think that that's got to be it, right? I mean, they've had sort of some success with that in the past with the the way that Carnival Court made you walk in all the way around and you couldn't go across. And I'm sure a lot of people just when they're taking that loop, they especially in the summer when it's hot, they end up walking through Harrah's because it's air conditioned instead of walking out on the street. Um, you know, the Imperial Palace has always been a cluster trying to walk in, walk in front of it with people trying to get in and out of that valet. Um, I think that they probably see a lot of benefit to um, basically capturing all of those people and taking them through Harris World um, instead of having them walking out on the street. There's a quote in the press release that I'm looking for. Well, number one, there, there's a quote, the interior renovation will complement the new brand's inviting and whimsical spirit, featuring modern decor with rich fabrics, multifaceted textures, and contemporary fixtures. Which that really quad doesn't say that to no. me. That doesn't say anything multifaceted or modern. You know, to me that's covered with ivy yeah. and uh, bricks and beer puke <laughs> and stuff like that. The other thing is there's this line about how they are going to have a safe walkway through the casino for people and i'm trying to find it but i don't see it right now and the idea that it's always been a hub of social activity and it's always been lively and welcoming you know i've never felt particularly welcome there so i i don't really know where that's coming from it's really interesting to see this sort of take shape and wonder you know obviously chuck you referenced this whole concept at the top because we remember back in the mid-2000s when they were talking about basically doing their equivalent of like a city center um, with some crazy development that was going to remake that entire side of the strip, that of course didn't happen. Um, but this is sort of phase one of that, or is this an entirely new plan that has no relation to that original concept? I think the concept is pretty much the same, but you know the details, the filigree are not. The, the theory of that of the Harris America was. Basically, that whole side of the strip, all the casinos, the properties are going to become more integrated with each other through walkways and connectors and things like that. And with the addition of the uh, the Margaritaville Casino at the Flamingo and now this total basic gutting of the front third of – of uh, the Imperial Palace, they're going to be able to connect the Flamingo directly to Harris Carnival Court by putting a gigantic walkway right through the middle of of uh, the Imperial Palace. I mean, the quad, the Imperial Quad. So, and then you put the, you know, you get the walkway of the shops and all the shopping and all that other stuff kind of tacked into the back in the middle. You know, obviously they're trying to keep people off the strip. So the second you get into the Flamingo, you don't come out till. You know, you're slurping on a Cinnabon at the Casino Royale. Right. It would be amazing to see them actually complete a uh, uh, that, that side and somehow be able to connect this complex to Bally's, um, Bally's Paris complex, right, at some point in the future. Yeah. Uh, it would be pretty insane if they could, you know, fulfill some more of that original vision and um, backfill all that stuff back there and include, include uh, additional property in the back next to their stadium that they're building soon, or wait, maybe not. Uh, <laughs> so, um, 
I don't have it in front of me, uh, but the timeline is basically about a year and change, right? I've, I, I've got that right uh, as far as what's happening. Does anybody uh, know off the top of their heads exactly what sh- people should expect and when? Yes. Okay, what, what's the timeline? The, the front desk and the bell desk are finished. The valet entrance in Puerto Cachera is going to be done in a couple months. It says fall 2012, so I would get some time in November. Casino expansion is going to open in spring, and then the f- final completion of casino and the front facade is going to happen at the end of 2013. Okay. Right. So, Chuck, you were just there. We're going to talk about your Flamingo experience a little bit later, but um, you were just there. Did you visit Imperial Quad while you were in town? I, I made a very, very quick walk into the casino and walk out. Uh, I, I didn't go in there and poke around, uh, but I did go through just to see what kind of state the uh, construction was compared to the previous. The previous time I was there, you could still get into uh, the original Porticacher area. But now that is totally, absolutely sealed off. There's one small uh, tunnel walkway from the strip that goes right into the casino, and it's completely boxed in, framed in with drywall and advertisements and whatnot. So you're basically walking through this long tunnel, and it spills you out, you know, probably about 30 yards west of where the cage is. Uh, the And the whole front of the building from that point uh, is all – it's all walled off. The, where the front desk was is gone. Uh, where the uh, – right up pretty much up to the elevators, the uh, tower elevators, all the stuff on the north side and the west side of that is all blocked in uh, with drywall construction. So they've – torn that out. I didn't go further back to check out the new lobby, uh, but uh, it, it, it was, uh, it was uh, you know, surprising. I was surprised that they had, they had already pretty much uh, torn up all that stuff. I'm curious what they're going to put there. They're just going to spread the casino out further? It's just, just adding straight up more square footage to the casino? Who knows? Well, they're going to put a nightclub in there too. That's weird. One of the things I've been doing in Vegas, mate, is explicitly warning people that that hotel especially, but also to a lesser degree, the Flamingo is impacted by construction and will be for the next year. Is So it sounds like that's still a pretty fair statement. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, for sure. You know, and with Link in the back too, it's really difficult to get to the Imperial Palace because all the streets that go, you know, most of us who – spend any great deal of time we know to kind of go up Koval and find a tributary up into the river in the parking garage. But getting up and through there and around there and that whole area is a big, big pain. All the streets are blocked off or partially blocked off. Even getting into the Flamingo can be a little sort of weird. You have to – the best way I found was to to go in where the old Bourbon Street was from from Flamingo and – Pop up Audrey and then make a, a left up up to the to the rear entry of of the the flamingo. But it's kind of crazy to stay there. I I definitely would not suggest anybody who's driving or people who want any anything to do with construction or a bit of a disaster just to stay away for the next six eight months and find some else some other place to stay. Yeah, it sounds like it's still uh, pretty active. Yeah. 
Yeah, Hotels.com and Expedia also have notices saying that there's construction going on there. Good. I I can imagine having no idea coming from your two-week vacation from London and arriving at the Imperial Palace construction site and being a little bit unhappy. So it's good that that word is sort of out there in the the zeitgeist. Um, Anything more on the quad before we move on? I mean, I guess the only question I would ask remaining is how do we think the quad's going to do? Is the quad going to be? Is it? Is the quad in the, an important development in the grand scheme of things, or is this just, you know, sort of a turnover of an existing property? You're not really going to move the needle all too much. I don't think it's going to move that needle that much. I think that really it's a quasi placeholder. I think if the economy improves and things go a lot better, they will make a concerted effort to redevelop the towers, and then they might want to rebrand it couple years down the line once Link is off the ground and doing well. And I think in the short term, really, it was just about slapping another name on it. And it seems like this was the most economical way to do that. Yeah, That seems to be the, sure. uh, the impression that I get as well. All right. Um, let's see. I think next I want to zoom over to Atlantic City. Um, for a, a bit here and talk about the mini casinos because we've had some news on this concept. We've talked about this before, the idea of building these sort of smaller than normal properties that were um, previously not uh, not <clears throat> allowable and um, doing, doing a few of these. That concept, well, I'm not sure if it's really going to pan out. Dave, you are by far our AC expert. Um, give us a breakdown of what's going on with the mini casinos. Yeah, this is part of the package that was proposed by Governor Christie and others back in very early 2010. I believe it was 2010 to sort of streamline Atlantic City, open it up. There's a lot of regulatory reform. And one of the things that I thought was really strange was, all right, we're going to let people have mini casinos, which means a casino with less floor space, fewer machines, fewer tables, and also fewer hotel rooms. And it used to be that you needed to build a 500-room tower to open a casino of any size. This would change that and say you can build 200 rooms and open a casino. You would have to pay a higher tax rate. But other than that, they thought, well, hmm, this would be a great way to lower the, the barrier to entry into the market. Unfortunately, what they didn't take into account was that the price of existing casinos with as many as a 1,000 rooms is already much, much lower than it would cost you to build a new 200-room structure. Case in point, Hard Rock was saying that they were going to build a $465 million mini casino with 200 rooms. And at the time, I went through using geometric logic and took the numbers and basically proved, well, this is what the casino would probably make. And even if you waved a magic wand and built it for free, you wouldn't have enough money to run the casino. There's no way that this is going to possibly, it just won't work. And as a matter of fact, you've got properties like Trump Marina lying around that could be had for $50 million that you could then spend a lot of money refurbishing. Well, guess what? Two years later, Harris or Hard Rock said, we're not going to build the mini casino. And Golden Nugget bought Trump Marina and did exactly that. Basically got a lot of bang for the buck. There's still several properties out there that I think could be had. Um, Trump Plaza 
is definitely on the market. They've been shopping that for a while. AC Club, probably you could get that too. I would say that Caesars would not be, would definitely listen to somebody if they said, hey, we want to buy Showboat from you. Because currently they have four properties there. They have a huge chunk of the market and it's not a growing market. And that's also a company that needs cash. So I think if somebody said, we want to buy Showboat for... I don't even know, $100 million, just throwing something out there, they would probably take it. So you could get into that market way cheaper than building a mini casino. So it was a bad idea from the start. I'm very surprised that very few people said what a bad idea it was, which is a little surprising. Um, A lot of people thought it was a great idea and that this was the only way to become more competitive. And my response was, well, they're not trying to make Vegas more competitive by building another casino royale because that was basically about the size of property we're talking here. So the whole idea was bizarre from the get-go, and I'm kind of glad to see that they've gone beyond I just, that. I, what was, do you know what the logic was of the supporters of this concept? Because it just doesn't seem to make any sense at all. The logic was that the, the cost was a barrier to entry and that you couldn't ask everybody to build a $2 billion mega resort to get in. You know, when in fact, exactly the opposite is true. You need to build a $2, million, $2 billion mega resort to try to attract people there because they don't want to go there to just see anything else. So the whole premise was flawed, you know, and in addition, the size of the property wasn't the barrier to entry. It was the regulatory costs and things like that, that I think were keeping people out. You know, what is, why is MGM never going to build anything there? Well, because the New Jersey regulators said they weren't suitable because they had Pansy Ho as a partner. So MGM isn't in there. You know, um, why hasn't Genting tried to buy something in the market? Well, probably because they don't think they'd be found suitable. So I think there's a lot more bar- – there's a lot of barriers to entry to Atlantic City. I don't think the cost of the facility is one of them right now just because it's become so cheap to buy them secondhand. What? Not to get off on too much of a tangent, but why, why is the New Jersey Casino Control Commission's standard so different from other states and locales in as these companies that run – very successful businesses in other places can't get licensed there. Oh, a lot of it, you know, there's a couple of things you can, you can chalk it up to. One of them would be that they take themselves very seriously and others don't take them seriously. They really take offense to that. Case in point is Columbia Sussex, who the DGE had told them you need to get serious about your compliance committee. And basically Columbia Sussex just kind of blew them off. So they were denied their license. They were stripped of their license, and that would put that into receivership and all kinds of other bizarre stuff in that soap opera. So that that's one example. They also tend to, because New Jersey's economy is not dominated by casino gambling, Atlantic County is one of the smaller counties in population in the state. Most of the political power is in the north. Atlantic County is in the south. They're not, they feel like they're not really beholden to the industry. And they can make those calls. You know, this is – these are regulators who rejected the Perlman brothers from Caesars, rejected Hilton Hotels in 85, rejected Hugh Hefner, and God knows how many other people, you know, who they've rejected, who've done business in other states. So this is pretty much what they are. They're, they're just a lot tougher. They sort of scared Steve Wynn away too. Yes. Yeah. You know, basically it was the same thing where they have a lot of regulatory requirements. Yeah. Steve Wynn figured, why should I bother with that when I can do this in Nevada? 
and probably make more money, and so we did. I don't know. It just seems interesting that uh, you know MGM, which is considered like the patron saint of Nevada, can't open a casino in New Jersey. Who need? Who would? You know, you could argue. I think easily that they would do very well to have a uh, beautiful new casino built by MGM Resorts International. Yes. And and just to clarify, they currently still do own 50% of right. Borgata, but that's trust and they're, yeah. and they're not managers. Boyd right. is. So, Dave, let me throw this out at you. Just a theory here. Now, could it possibly be that they lowered the bar to to allow some of the more – independent hotels to add a casino to an existing property, like let's say the Chelsea, for example? Possible, but then that didn't happen. And you could see, okay, if you've already got the Chelsea that's been built, yeah, you could add a couple machines and add, you know, add a couple games and you could come out ahead at the end of the day. So that would make sense. But as far as having it be being, you know, some kind of greenfield or brownfield construction project where they're just going to start building stuff from scratch, I don't see how that would have made sense. And, yeah, that would have made perfect sense if somebody had done that, but they haven't done it. Yeah. So it sounds like, Dave, you were vindicated uh, in this whole situation. <laughs> you were you're like, hey, you know what? I know what I'm talking about. And they're like, no, no. And, of course, you were right. Well, I guess. I, guess. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't belabor it so much, but people just kind of looked at me like I was an idiot when I was saying that. Um, you know how when you say something that's really stupid, they look at you like it's stupid? And So how are you looking at them? I, you know. I don't know. I mean, it didn't work out. And that's kind of what I, I, you know, the questions I had that nobody answered are still the questions that haven't been answered, but we have the answer now. And the, the answer was no. Right. You know, it's like, well, how can you possibly make this work when you can buy a property for $30 million? What kind of idiot is going to build a new one for over $400 million? Like, where does that make sense? Oh, well. Hard Rock is interested. Yeah. I um, I don't know. It's interesting. It seems, of course, uh, looking at it, yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? It's such a cliche, but it's very true. Um, it's easy to look back at it now for me and say, uh, well, that's a really dumb idea. Who would ever, who would ever think that's a good idea? But I think um, it is interesting to see it sort of play out uh, along along the lines that you uh, predicted, at least along your line of questioning. And it, you know, in retrospect, it does look like a pretty pretty dumb idea um the, bo- the the thing that bothers me is that so the city is in this historic crisis the worst crisis it's ever had from which it hasn't recovered yet revenues are still falling and they wasted a lot of time and effort doing this right and dancing around with hard rock and oh yeah when they should have known from the start that it wasn't going to happen so basically it's a lot of wasted effort that they could have challenged into something else like better marketing or even you know, actually doing something to, to improve the city. What's the uh, catchphrase? Atlantic City. It's turned on, or what is that? I can't remember what. Oh no, that's what's the, the new one. one. Uh, yeah. The that was the that was a rather chaste one. Now it's just do AC, do AC, Dwack! Huh. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, they definitely took the top minds off of the branding project and put them on the mini casino project. Of <laughs> <laughs> um, apologies to all of our friends in Atlantic City. I I kid because I love. But um, definitely try and punch up that advertising a little bit. Um, okay. We're going to zip back to Las Vegas and the fabulous Flamingo Resort, which was the home to the uh, something event that we did, Vegas Podcast of Palooza. Um, yeah. A couple of years yeah. ago, uh, you know, it's, it's a storied resort where 
uh, Bugsy created Las Vegas and all gambling from from Evermore, <laughs> <laughs> which we know is the correct historical record, um, <laughs> accurately portrayed in several movies. Um, so, Chuck, we're talking about the Flamingo yes. because you recently stayed there and wrote yes. a review, um, not only about your stay in the hotel, but also about one of its new, I don't know if I should say signature restaurants, but a new restaurant they've added to the restaurant lineup. Um, yes. I would like to talk to you about those experiences. Um, Please. So I guess we can sort of just cover them all in, a, in, a, in an umbrella um, because, unfortunately, this is one of those reviews where things didn't really work out so well. Um, there were some problems. And I think maybe it's good to sort of start and think about the Flamingo's place in the world. So it is a hotel that's been around for a long time. It's obviously been constructed and renovated many, many times since then. So very little, if anything, I don't think anything at this point remains of the original original stuff. But I would say, I think it's fair to say that it's considered mid-market strip joint, maybe on the lower end of the mid-market. Not a... Um, not a high-end establishment, really, or even a middle, high-range establishment, right? It, it's it's known for cheap rooms. It's got a great location, um, a casino with a, you know, a bunch of games, usually at fairly reasonable limits. It's a very middle-of-the-road type joint. That said, I still expect my hotel rooms to be free of mold and bugs and all kinds of other stuff. So why don't we first talk a little bit about the room and your experience, and then I would love to talk about Carlos and Charlie's and the Southern Nevada Health Department. <laughs> okay, so uh, I did not book this hotel room. Uh, my wife's sister is in town visiting from England, and uh, they would never been to Las Vegas, and we decided, hey, we'll take you to Vegas. So she did the research. We talked about it a little bit, and she said, well, what about the Flamingo? And I'm like, okay, fine. You know, it's... They've got some new rooms there. I didn't really want to push that angle, but they got new rooms, and it's the it's the Flamingo. It's iconic. When they go back to England, they can say, we stayed at the Flamingo, and everybody in the world pretty much knows what the Flamingo is, right? So we – she booked the room. Uh, I think it was like 38 bucks with no resort fee uh, per night. If the uh, new – Sort of new, I guess they came online earlier this year, uh, Flamingo Fab Rooms. Uh, the last time I had stayed at the Flamingo was when they had debuted the Go Rooms, and I was really, really psyched by those. I thought it was fantastic. It was just kind of fascinating, modern, sci-fi, Logan's Run hotel room in the middle of the flamingo and they, they did a really good job on the design it was thorough they had the, the tv set inside of the mirror i remember actually sitting in the tub and watching dave dr dave talking on the mirror to me while i was nude in the tub hi dave wait a second <laughs> wait a second that's that's you, you were on the vegas tv channel talking oh wow one of your one of your chit chat things and <laughs> hi Dave I I think I actually have pictures of, of you in the mirror yeah so With you in the tub me and well me I might actually I might have me new oh, in dear. the tub but so I was really bullish on the on those rooms I posted the reviews really great and if this is what the future of the flamingo is if this is the seed from where the the rebirth of this of the plumage comes from great 
You know, they're going to make this thing like a 1972 meets 2000 whatever uh, futuristic hotel, man. I am totally, absolutely for it. Of course, as we know, that was before the economic turd hit the uh, fan. And since then, they held off on renovating any of the other rooms. They did some more of the go rooms all the way up to the luxury ones, but they didn't, they didn't do the basic rooms. So the fabs are basically the standard hotel room slightly renovated. What they did was they tore out the carpet in the hotel, in the room itself, replaced it with a plastic uh, faux wood floor. Um, new, new beds, but old old uh, hardware, a uh, couple of new lamps, some new artwork, a new chair, a new blanket, a new this, a couple of fancy-looking sort of things. They didn't touch the bathroom at all. Uh, housekeeping was thoroughly, absolutely atrocious. Uh, my wife, she went into the bathroom right after we got there, and she screamed, Eek! And I'm like, what, 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 what? There's a bunch of hair in the tub. And it wasn't just like, you know, a hair or two hairs. There was a lot of hair in the tub. I tried to photograph it, but it didn't really come out well. You couldn't tell. But there was there was a lot of hair in the tub. Like it hadn't really been cleaned in a while. Um, above, the, above the shower, there's this compartment thing with, with bolts on it. And surrounding it, it was... There was all sorts of black mold coming off of it, and there was mold and mildew on the shower curtain. And you know those tubs are really small, so the shower curtain just kind of sticks to your body when you're in there. Like, I don't know, the static cling, it just attaches right to you. But it was pretty gross to take a shower in there. And if that wasn't enough, right there on the floor, right next to the tub and the wall and stuff, is this big, gooey pile of pink and brown and black moldy soap scum. And now this stuff, you know, I lived as kind of a slob in college, so I know how long it takes for this type of moldy soap scum to grow. And it takes a good month, month and a half for for that kind of shit to happen. Now, how many people have been in and out of this hotel room that they haven't thoroughly, properly mopped the floor and said, oh, look at all this, cleaned it up? Not at all. Do I want to touch anything? Absolutely not. It was gross. In the middle of the night, I got up because I had to take a leak because I drank a lot of alcohol. And I went stumbling over to the bathroom and I turned the light on and I see this cockroach. A cockroach inside of a hotel room. I've never seen a cockroach in a Las Vegas hotel room. Ever. Not once. Running across the, running across the sink and I, and I started talking to him like he was my pal. I was still a little drunk. I started talking to him like, hey, I, hey, little guy, how's it going? What's happening? And uh, he crawled into the ice ice bucket, and, and I turned the light off and went back to bed. I'm not going to go chasing after a, a, a cockroach. My wife heard me scream this time, exclaim, and, and she couldn't sleep with a cockroach in the room. There's no way. So she got up and killed it and th- wrapped it in a towel and threw it out in the hallway. And the towel stayed there for pretty much most of the rest of the next day. It was, it was frightfully disgusting and dirty. And this was after our two-star meal at... Uh, okay, wait, hold on. I, I want to I hear about <clears throat> Carlos and Charlie's in a minute, but just okay. sort of uh, 
taking a, a quick uh, a quick intercession here. So the room sounds like it was not all that great. It's funny that when you mentioned the cockroach, I immediately thought back to an experience that I had at the Flamingo. I was downstairs at uh, Bugsy's Bar. Bugsy, the you know creator of Las Vegas and all gambling as we know it. Um, he was. They have that bar down there, sort of their the uh, 1970s version of a center bar. Um, and uh, I was with Tim and Michelle Dressen, actually the uh, the co-hosts of Five Hundred by Midnight, the original Las Vegas podcast, and uh, the original the original Las Vegas nude podcast. <laughs> I think that title is still up for grabs. Um, okay. And there was a large cockroach that shimmied out of the bar and walked down the bar and shimmied back into the bar. Um, <laughs> and so, it, you know, something that you don't forget too easily. And uh, I, I'll, that was the only bug I've, I ever saw there. I stayed there a few times and I've never encountered any other bugs. So it may just have been a one-off. But, um, it, you know, reading your story definitely reminded me of that experience. And I guess, you know, what, anytime you have a really, really bad hotel experience, the question is always like, is this just – did I just get the lemon room or is this systematic? Is this endemic of the entire experience, right? And it's hard to know – with just a single stay. Sometimes you can pick up clues um, because some things are, are probably more likely to be systematic based on where you see them and, and that sort of thing. But it, it is definitely worrisome to have so many things so gross in, in the room. I mean, is it just that the f- housekeeper assigned to that floor is the worst housekeeper in the whole building? Um, or is it just that, you know, they have cut housekeepers hours and they don't have time to, do a thorough job. I mean, I don't know the answer to that, but it is, it's sad to see such a bad, such a dirty hotel room. Cause that's one of the things that I, that I go to again and again, people are asking me, where should I stay? And they're like, a lot of times they'll say stuff like, you know, there are of course people that are like, I want the nicest hotel room I can find. I really love nice hotel rooms. I want to stay in a palace. But there are a lot of people that say, I don't care about the room. I don't even barely sleep there. I just want it to be someplace that's clean and safe and secure, and otherwise I'm, I want something that's cheap. Um, and if it's not even clean, that's yeah. really bad. Which violates your safety and security. Absolutely. So, I, I think, it's, yeah. I think it, honestly, it's like the worst thing you can do is to have a room that's just filthy, disgusting. I'd rather have service be really bad and a clean room than good service in a nasty, filthy room. Yeah. Well, you know, the housekeeper made the beds really well. Those sheets were tight, man. Those perfect corners, everything. The room itself was fine, but the bathroom was a complete and total failure. And that's the room that really needs to be absolutely clean because you're dealing with water there. Right. You which know, just breeds all sorts of stuff. You know, between the 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 people pooping and getting on the handles on the toilet or any other number of things. You know, this is how the norovirus and all the other things, which there's a huge breakout of the norovirus at uh, at the Flamingo in 2007. You know, where 15, 20, 30 people all came down with with disease, you know, and they practically had to close the hotel, you know. So there's obviously a problem here. Whether or not that's blamable on, you know, housekeeping, who knows. But still, it's absolutely thoroughly disgusting you know you don't want to go to a hotel room pay money and then feel god man this is grosser than anything i've ever stayed in 
You know, you, you want to stay in a hotel room that's as nice as your house or better. That's basically the rule of thumb that I have. It's like you want it to be as nice as your house, your home, or better. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to go below that because then you're going to be unhappy and you're going to be dissatisfied. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't know. I, it was um, – it's it was not good to see that review. Now I have a question for you before we talk about C and C Music Factory, um, or C and C Burrito Factory. Uh, uh. Okay, um, sorry, I couldn't resist. Uh, I actually didn't read any of the comments on your post, so I'm wondering if if you have read the comments, did you get a sense? Because sometimes you'll post a story like this, and there will be comments saying like, "Yep, this happened to me." Yep, yep, yep. Or nope, my stay was perfect. Any sense of um, other people's experiences based on comments on your piece? There were a – I'd say there's probably – I'm just guessing 30-something comments on, on that review. And there's probably about five to ten people who said, yep, yep, this happened to me. I'm never staying there again. It was dirty. They had mold. They had roaches. It was not one thing, it's another. You know, of the five or six things that I pointed out, they had probably four out of the five, that group of people. A lot of other people were, were you know, uh, what are you kidding me? A little mold? <laughs> what are you? A really? Wuss? Yeah, there was, there, was, there was a little of that. But everybody else seemed like, well, I was going to stay there, but now I'm not. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Well, so, I think, you know, as uh, I think when we talk about this experience, Along with the the restaurant experience we're about to talk about, I think you know it paints kind of a bad picture. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your dinner? Because honestly, this food dinner dining restaurant review made me kind of sick to my stomach. Yeah. So we uh, we had just arrived after driving through the desert, and we were trying to decide about a place to eat dinner, and we're standing there, pretty much right outside of Carlos and Charlie's. And we were like, well, do you want to go to Senior Frogs? Do you want to go here? Do you want to go there? And I think everybody had was sort of at that point where frustration is taking over because you're hungry. You know, you just get the crankies. And we finally decided, well, here's Carlos and Charlie's. You just opened. Let's give it a shot, right? Fine. I hadn't read any reviews. I haven't read anything about it. You know, I just didn't. So... Why not? Let's go in here. We went in, sat down. The place is pretty empty. They have this music blasting really, really loud. Right after we sit down, all the servers just start screaming, catch up, catch up, catch up, coming from everywhere. And they stack like 100 ketchup bottles on top of the table right near us. Apparently, if you ask for ketchup at this restaurant, they they vilify you by bringing you more ketchup than you possibly could deal Why? with. So I don't know. They think it's funny. They also do all various other sort of shtick, like screaming and yelling. They played like the wedding march at one point, but there was no marriage going on. It's like a lot of these – they have these routines where somebody will shout something and the other people on the crew will shout something back to try and get this – you know, party atmosphere going. But when there's only three booths of people in a gigantic restaurant, it just is annoying at a point. It's like, well, this isn't really fun. So, yeah, apparently also if you order a chicken sandwich, they bring you a rubber chicken on a bun too. That's their, one of their other jokes. I imagine there's a half dozen other 
bits that they'll 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 continue doing. What's the reason for that? It's a joke. I guess it's try and make you laugh. I don't know. <laughs> so you have to wait until your food gets there, then your food gets there and it's rubber, and I would think you'd be pretty pissed off. Yeah. Well, then they'll probably bring you your actual sandwich, but uh, okay. before that, they bring you a rubber chicken on a bun and like, ha ha, you know, <laughs> it's ridiculous. But, uh, so we ordered, I got a $13 margarita. The guy tried to talk me into the $35 one, which apparently is a very large, uh, beach ball sized goblet. I'm like, no, thanks. And, uh, we ordered a bunch of food. They brought, uh, the, the, they brought these chips in a in a sandwich sack, like a brown paper sandwich sack that you'd bring your peanut butter and jelly to work at. And we opened the bag and all the chips were crushed. They were just like bits. And you can't really dip like chips that are all crushed and stuff, you know, because you're dragging your fingers through this salsa and whatnot. You know, minor complaints. Uh, and they brought – I ordered a, a chimichanga, which came with chicken – uh, beef and pork chorizo on it. And it, it, it arrived, chip, it's basically a burrito that's deep fried, so it's kind of crunchy on the outside, and they put some guacamole and sauce and a bunch of other things on top of it for those who haven't had a chimichanga. And I cut into it, the first bite was all pretty much just uh, fried tortilla. The second bite, just the it, the meat just tasted funky. It was something was not right about this. Ugh, it just it had this rank, nasty, gamey, poor, beef that's off flavor. So I took another bite, and I figured maybe this is just me. And I saw this next bite was mostly chicken. It didn't taste that bad. There was a little bit of it. And then I, I had another bite, and I got the full enchilada of the nasty, rank beef. And I just kind of sat there, and I drank my margarita, and I picked around it. I had the the beans and rice that came with it. And I sawed off a little piece and I gave it to my wife and she tasted it. And the second it went into her mouth, her eyes bugged out of her face. Her cheeks exploded like she was about to, to throw up. And she just, she barely was able to swallow. She said, that meat is off. There's something wrong with that. And I didn't tell her this beforehand. I didn't warn her. I was like, here, try, I just try, try this, like the blind taste test. Is this just me? I'm not going to taint her, you know, to try it. So she tried it, and it was not just me. It was her. And I tasted her enchilada and the the the, uh, the cheese and the tortilla and the way that the thing was put together tasted like mushed-up cauliflower. It just had this really nasty kind of flavor to it. And I, I just, you know, sat there thinking – I can't believe I just ate two of this, two of these things, two, three bites of this, and all the, the people are still running around, ketchup, Ooh, they're being jerks and all this shit, and and I'm about ready to throw up on my plate. Literally, I have never, I'm not joking. There's no, no exaggeration here. I had to cover my plate and push it away and take deep breaths to keep from throwing up on the table on our friends from the UK and on the floor of the restaurant. It was by far one of the most disgusting things I've ever eaten in my entire life. And I have eaten some pretty foul things. So, I, I, you know, 
our our British guests actually, they, I could tell they didn't like their food either, because they all sort of picked at it and pushed things away and switched plates, and nobody ate their stuff either. But you know, in the in the cultural thing, they don't really complain about their food; they just sort of let it go. You know, so we didn't make a stink. We paid the bill. It was 130 bucks with, you know, a pile of beer. And we got the hell out of there as quickly as possible. And it was between that and the cockroaches and everything, the flamingo, man, it just makes me nauseous to think about it. You know, the the problem, I think, for me, at least part of the problem, and I think you referenced this in your piece too, but, you know, we all watch these sort of kitchen restaurant makeover shows now on TV where they show the disgusting way that people handle food in some of these places. Um, you'll yeah. see that you'll see it in some of those shows where it's just like there's rotting, disgusting food in the back of a co- walk in and like just it's you see how a restaurant that's not run properly, that doesn't follow yeah. the, all the food safety rules the way that they need to, how bad it can get and how disgusting that is. I mean, I just I connected these two things yeah. in my mind and it really it was gr- yeah. I mean, I, I'm not kidding that it kind of made me sick to my stomach to read your review. Yeah. You know, it's a brand new restaurant. I don't, I don't, you know, honestly, I don't look for reasons to hate stuff or to write bad reviews. I don't. I honestly don't. But but a lot of the times it's like, am I the only one that's getting this? Am I really, am I too hard of a marker or, or do I just constantly seem to get this kind of shit? I don't know what the deal is, you know? And the fact that everything in Vegas, you know, Dave, you had started a thread on the Twitter of like a, a week ago or so about the obvious things that people in Vegas might be missing mm-hmm. because they live there. Like when you're paying, you know, $128 for a cheap Mexican meal, which you go to the best place in, in, in L.A. and it won't cost you more than 60 you know, they're charging you a two times premium and it's a thousand times more disgusting. It just, it sounded Ve- terrible. The Vegas tax. It sounded really bad. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. I, I guess the obvious uh, answer for me is that I'm not going there ever. Um, yeah. I mean, even if, you know, it was just a temporary thing and they clean up their act or whatever, I, I can't imagine with the abundance of choice, I can't imagine spending any time at uh, yeah. C&C Burrito Factory. Yeah. What I don't get is that it's not like this is some really obscure cuisine <laughs> or really difficult right. to make that you have to master. I don't even know. There must be dozens of really good cooks who can make Mexican food in Vegas yep. really well. I mean – And know what they're doing and have run a kitchen right. and – and could do this. So I don't know why this would happen. It sounds, I mean, it sounds yeah. to me like, and I'm no kitchen expert. I've never worked in a restaurant, but it sounds to me like the food, the food product went bad. Right. And I guess if the restaurant isn't pushing a lot of volume and they're worried yeah. about making their numbers, you know, that maybe they're keeping stuff longer than they should. I'm completely speculating here, but it is possible yeah. to imagine that, uh, as yes. how something like this could happen. So you think this is going to be the fifth restaurant that Gordon Ramsay takes over in the <laughs> Empire? He should, if he does, he needs to do his kitchen nightmares show as part of the process and, and throw all the rotting food out of the walk-in into the middle of the place and cover it in ketchup. You feed it to the flamingos. There you go. 
Damn. It sounds pretty bad. Just throw it out back. I'm sorry you had such a bad experience. Nobody wants that on their vacation. That's like the worst nightmare when you when you have just a really, really awful experience. And I mean, I guess one step further is, is maybe getting food poisoning. That would be even worse. But uh, man, that's just an easy way to ruin a trip. So I was sorry to hear of your misfortune. And this is right – this is immediately after we had arrived. This is like the first thing that happened. Got to the room, saw the dirty, scummy bathroom, then went right downstairs and ate that food. Man, I, I was pretty close to uh, checking out and forking over for a room at Aria or something. I don't know? blame you. Um, okay, guys. We are, we've been on for a little while. I'm, I have one more thing on the rundown. I'm wondering if we have time to get to it. It's a story I don't know that much about. It's the South Point online poker licensing stuff, which I think, Dave, you have written about a little bit, right? Um, yeah. Do we have time to dig into it for a few minutes? Uh, very briefly, Let's do it. yeah. Uh, basically, the South Point is going to be the first casino to open up an online poker room. There's been several service providers licensed, which are basically manufacturers and other people who are going to be building the back-end stuff. South Point is doing it all themselves. And I interviewed their chief operating officer, uh, Lawrence Vaughn a little while ago and just asked him like, hey, what's going on? Because it's the kind of story in Vegas where they send out a press release and people pretty much print the press release. But then there's a lot of other really interesting questions that I think don't get asked. So I'm like, hey, talk to me. Tell me what's going on. So pretty much he just shared their process, which is basically he's a Vegas native. He's a guy who's always been interested in tech and he thought it would a couple of years ago, he thought it would be kind of cool to fool around building a poker room and did that, did everything from scratch with his partners and they're getting ready and they should be open by, you know, maybe by the time of VIMF, they'll be off the ground. You know, it's definitely imminent. It's definitely going to happen in October. It's interesting. Now, I this is this is this topic that I, um, I maybe ironically don't know all that much about, right? Because I'm interested in Las Vegas. I'm really interested in technology and for whatever reason I don't know I've been not tracking any of these threads in any detail so um, I'm sort of woefully misinformed when it comes to what's happening with the online gaming regulation, licensing um, what people are doing but my understanding and if I understood what you just said correctly I my impression is that many of the people that are trying to get into this market are licensing software from other firms like IGT and Bally it sounds like are the South Point folks doing it themselves or literally like building their own widget? They're doing it all themselves. They've got this free play system that's up now where they did license it, but that is totally going away. And I think it might have gone away already. He, I, I When I was talking to Vaughn, he was actually surprised because I'd gone, I'd gone on there that morning and it was just a total mess. There was like two other players and no games going on. And he was surprised that it was, it was even still up. So that's going to go away. They are going to have a free play, but it's basically going to be their four pay system, but without mm-hmm. money. So they're going to have their own system. And once that, you know, once it goes, I'm going to sign up. I mean, not because I'm going to make a lot of money playing poker, but just, just to see what's going on. So there, yeah, I mean, he was very emphatic about how it was better that he was building it from scratch to meet the Nevada regulations. He said a lot of the legacy software was old. Yeah. And he wanted to build something I'm new. I'm not surprised. I mean, you know, when you think about this new market 
and how casinos have differentiated themselves in the past, brick-and-mortar casinos, right? They are all buying slot machines from the same vendors. They all pretty much have the same games. I mean, rules may vary a little bit between properties and limits vary, but they differentiate themselves with other offerings, right? Slot clubs, loyalty programs, really opulent hotels, restaurants. That's a lot harder to do with a digital casino. So if you're literally buying your entire casino widget from IGT or Valley, you know, you maybe you can skin it to look like the Bellagio, but you you have a lot more opportunity for differentiation if you are literally building it from the ground up. Now, obviously, it's a much larger investment, you know, to do it, to go on your own and and do it all yourself. Um, and you don't get all the benefits, you know, of scale that you would get with going in on another person's system. But I, I think if you have a vision for how this thing can work and if you really think that you can connect with your customers in a way that, you know, isn't being served by through these other systems, I think it, I, I like that idea. I think it's bold. I, I, I like the idea that they're trying to do it themselves. I do yeah. too. I think this is a – Hunter, you nailed it on the head. And I think uh, our own personal experiences of – Building our own software for our websites and whatnot bears that out exactly. You have the opportunity to build on and built into your own accounts however you want. You want to be able to give people comps for playing either online or playing in person or, you know, give them a free buffet or whatever types of things. You know, you're dealing with people who are in the state, at least right now, you know, so they can get actual brick-and-mortar comps for online play. I think it sounds interesting. I mean, I'm not a poker player, so I guess that's part of the reason why these things haven't really drawn me in um, all that significantly. But um, I do think it's really interesting. I, I love the idea, like I said, that they're investing in their own technology. Um, and I, I don't know. It sounds it sounds like a cool story to me. I'm glad, Dave, you picked up the thread on this. Yeah, and I think there's a lot more that's that's left to be written. You know, I, a lot of it is obviously going to be, they don't want to give away too many secrets. Like I joked with them like, yeah, well, I'm not going to, well, I can't tell you everything. So I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to ask for your source code or anything, but it'd be nice to know how many people you're employing and what your timeline is and kind of stuff like that. Right. Well, it sounds, it sounds, it sounds really cool. So, I mean, I, Dave, since I think you're at least following it a lot closer than I am, I mean, this kind of feels like to me that it's the kind of thing that's about to explode. I mean, everyone's sort of starting to dip their toe in the water a little bit and assuming that the regulation and the legal side of it goes, continues sort of to go in the right direction. Um, it feels like it's one of those things that has the potential to just kind of be a powder keg and really, uh, and really go, go wide. Yeah, I think it really speaks to the shift of what's going on. We now have three companies that are doing some kind of mobile betting on sports betting. You know, Cantor's doing their thing. William Hill's doing their thing. And Station just unveiled their app last week. So you've got that. Poker is going to be another thing like that. And it's very interesting that these aren't, they're not really the core casino experience, which is the slots and tables. It's sort of the periphery, and that's where we're seeing a lot of this innovation. And I, I think that's where we're going to see more and more of it. It will be amazing if um, the gone legacy is not Las Vegas casinos, but internet gambling. Yeah, it will if, be. If he yeah. builds a whole new. Uh, massive fortune for his heirs based on uh, this decision versus all the work he's done up to this point, which obviously he's been incredibly successful, him and his family. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I think it's going to be fun to watch just from an entrepreneurial perspective, if nothing else, right? I, uh, I, I don't know. I like the, the story, and um, 
I'm interested to learn more in the future. Yeah, you know, and I'm sure each of the other providers has also has really interesting stories to tell. And if I had unlimited time, I would love to spend time with each of them and then write a 10,000 word article about it someday. But, you know, don't have that kind of time or access right now. But yeah, you know, everybody's got something interesting going on. Most excellent. All right, we're going to wrap things up. That's going to be it for today. Um, I want to thank you guys for being here. But before we before we go, before we go, there's this little thing we like to do called the Sherbet segment. So Sherbets are our opportunity to share with you, our audience, things that we find interesting. They can be casino-related. They can be non-casino-related. They can be Apple-related. They can be non-Apple-related. <laughs> um, so this is our opportunity to uh, share something with you that we think you might like. Um, Charles, I'd be happy to start with you if you have something for us today. I certainly do. When I was in Las Vegas the last time, I w- happened upon this tasty little beverage in a can <laughs> <laughs> called a Limerita. <laughs> Now, I have a tequila problem, and I'm the first one to admit it. The Limerita does not have any tequila in it. It is basically some kind of malt Zima-like beverage with a lime flavor with a little bit of beer in it, so it's kind of fizzy. So it's like a, a fizzy beer, lime, malt, arita thing. And since I've had it, the first two sips are thoroughly disgusting. But after that, I tell you what, it gets you kind of drunk, and you can carry it along with you in a can, and it lasts longer than getting a margarita at a bar, and it's a hell of a lot cheaper. So I have been thoroughly enjoying these Limeritas, Bud Light Limerita. I'm not getting paid for this, folks. I actually like them. They're suiting me well, and I think I need to go to the liquor store to buy a couple right about now. But you know, Budweiser or Anheuser-Busch, if you would like to sponsor the show, um, <laughs> you can contact us through our website. Uh, we would be happy yes. to take your money. Um, <laughs> Lime Rita, Okay, I have not tried that myself, uh, and I'm not sure if I will, but I um, appreciate the uh, you're sharing that with us, Chuck. Um, Dr. Dave Schwartz, what do you got for us? Well, this will show you where my head is at as far as popular culture goes. Um, just something really cool that I stumbled upon, thanks in part to an exchange in Twitter where uh, at Jersey Shore Jen was looking for – might be – yeah, she goes by Jersey Shore Jen. She was looking for this episode of Mr. Rogers where he visited Lucy the Elephant in Margate, New Jersey, near Atlantic City. And I found out through that exchange that Mr. Rogers is actually available on Amazon Prime for yeah. free. So I've turned my kids on to Mr. Rogers and rediscovered Mr. Rogers and all of his incredible coolness, again, for myself. And it's really neat, you know, having grown up watching that show, and now my kids are watching the show, and uh, just kind of cool Is stuff. Mr. Rogers not – it was what, PBS, right? Is that not broadcast anymore? They don't show old episodes? I don't know if they do, you know, and if they do, I don't know when they show them, but it's just really neat that you've got, like, I think it's about 15 years of the show – available on Amazon Prime 
to watch instantly for free. It's, it's really yeah, awesome. So for those that don't know, Amazon Prime is a service from Amazon. You pay $79 a year and you get a bunch of benefits, um, including, like for instance, the ability to get free two-day shipping on most items. You can upgrade to one-day shipping for a few bucks, even on really big stuff. Like I got a overnight shipping on a 50-inch TV for $3. Um, but they also have this extensive digital collection of stuff. And one of this is the Amazon Instant Video Service, which includes a ton of... It's sort of like Netflix. The selection varies, but it's a similar idea, right? You go online and you can watch a bunch of video that they have, and it's all included as part of this service. Um, they have uh, you know, apps for the iPad, and you can watch it on your computer, and uh, apps on Android, I believe, also, and the, the Kindle Fire. So there's a lot of different ways you can watch the video, um, and yeah, so it, there's, it's great to see them continue to add stuff to the offering. I was also a big Mr. Rogers watcher when I was a kid, so um, always good to see uh, you know people hanging out in the neighborhood. Oh, yeah, it's great. Would it be uh, tacky for me to say speedy delivery? <laughs> no, it would be, it would be charming. <laughs> Quite appropriate. Uh, all right, well, thanks, Dave. Um, I am going to talk about something Apple-related. This is a big week for iPhone people for a couple reasons. Um, there is a new iPhone that's going to be uh, in people's hands on Friday, but that's actually not what I want to talk about. Um, I want to talk about iOS 6, which is – iOS is the software that runs the iPhone and the iPad. And iOS 6 is the latest version of that software. It was actually released today. Um, it's a free update for uh, for most recent iPhones and iPads. It doesn't run on every single model of the device, but everything that Apple's made in the last – two years, and there are some exceptions going a little bit further back. But the reason I want to mention it in relation to this show is because iOS 6 includes some big changes to the built-in Maps app. So if you've used an iPhone or an iPad up until now, um, the Maps app used uh, Google's mapping system and uh, was very useful. Um, but you know, I, I would also argue maybe not all that exciting. Um, Apple has taken over that responsibility in iOS 6. They're now providing the maps themselves. And um, I, you know, I don't want to get too deep into this aspect of it, but <clears throat> there are a couple things about the Maps app if you haven't upgraded yet. If you, there's one feature that is not available that some people are, are not all that happy about, which is transit directions. So if you live in a city where you spend a lot of time doing mass transit like New York or San Francisco, um, the Maps app doesn't include them. Uh, built in anymore. There, there are a bunch of apps in the App Store to fill that need. Uh, but just a little caveat before you go run to upgrade based on this recommendation. Uh, maybe make sure that uh, do do your homework and make sure that you're uh, you you want to upgrade. But the reason I'm mentioning it is because one of the cool features of Maps on iOS six is this um, feature called Flyover. So Flyover works on the latest iPad and the iPhone 4s and the uh, iPhone five, and it's a, a 3D mapping system that lets you basically stick an imaginary camera up in the air and spin it around in 3D around uh, a bunch of cities all over the world. And one of the cities that they've had in the system since the first very beginning is Las Vegas. So it's really quite fun to fire up maps on your iPad and zoom over to Las Vegas and pop into 3D mode and take a little 3D trip down the strip uh, or to Fremont Street, or um, you know any of the surrounding neighborhoods. It's it's pretty awesome to uh, be able to uh, pan and swipe and twist around um, to change the perspective to see all this stuff. Um, 
it it is actually a lot of fun. It's one of those things that I'm not sure how practically useful it is uh, in terms of navigating, but it is a lot of fun to play with. So um, that's one of the fun things related to Las Vegas about this particular uh, <clears throat> piece of Apple software. And I've been playing with it a lot, more more actually than I thought that I would. I thought it would be one of those things where you fiddle with it for a few minutes. You say, yeah, that's cool, and you never pick it up again. Um, but I've actually been using it. it. I find that it is fun to zoom around not only Vegas but New York City and Paris and London um, and other and other fun places to to see them in 3D. So anyway, one of the fun parts of that software update, if you have one of those devices, uh, you might want to consider doing that upgrade. You can um, call your local – you can call your – uh, son-in-law that knows all about computers to help you figure out how to get that on your on your iPhone or your iPad. No, no email, please. No email. Um, all right, that's my Surebet iOS six available today um, for the iPhone, the iPad, and the iPod Touch. And that is it for today. Um, thanks to everyone for being here. I'm going to go around the table so you can tell people where they can find you. Doctor Dave Schwartz, where can people find you? Two-way hard three, ggschwartz.com, and at Vegas 7. Most excellent. Uh, Chuck Monster, what about you? You can find me creeping around the carcass of the Fontaine Bay. Oh, man, we didn't talk about that, but that was such an amazing video that, that you posted on Vegas Stripping. These guys that uh, broke into the Fontainebleau construction site and make, made their way up to the very top floor and then out onto the crane, and it was, like, raining, and I was like, dude, they're going to die any second. Um, <laughs> it's going to be like the Blair Witch Project where, like, the video was discovered in a trash bin outside the – I mean, it was, like it – was, it, was, it was intense, I thought. Um, but it was really cool to see. Um, a little bit surprising that the place isn't secured better. I mean, I, I realize it's a big piece of property, a lot of square footage to – secure and not a lot of incentive other than insurance probably to do so. But um, it's still, I was surprised that they were able to get away with it uh, like they did. But man, if you haven't seen the video, definitely go to Vegas Tripping and check it out because it's very cool. Um, let's see. So you can find me at ratevegas.com or you can search for Vegas Mate on the iTunes App Store. Um, thanks, guys. Have a great weekend.